In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen. This is a gospel about joy. That's good because we live in an angry world. Just think for a moment about all the angry folks you know. It's the war and the recession, the jobs report from last Friday, the politics, the family tensions, the broken dreams, and the weariness with how things are. And maybe tonight you have come and you are angry too. It is understandable. The world is a very tough place right now. But this is not how we were meant to live. We are not meant to go through life angry all the time. Our lives started in Eden, where life was pure joy. There, all the pieces were in place. Beauty, order, community, and selfless love. And someday, because we are Christians, our lives will end again in the new Eden. And once again, everything will be joy. It's there for all of us tonight in the last verse of the Gospel. You all should have joy, says the text because your names are written in heaven. Your name is written in heaven because somewhere along the way Jesus got close to you. He came to you in baptism or preaching or absolution or in his holy supper. And he touched you and with his touch, he gave you what the angels sang about at Christmas, good tidings of great joy. As verse 11 says, in Christ, the kingdom of God really has come near to you. A few weeks ago, Pastor Gaining taught us that joy was a place. He was quoting from a story in St. Matthew's Gospel where Jesus was inviting all of us to enter into the joy of our Master. That gets it very right. One reason that Jesus came down from heaven is to make this place, here and now, like that place there in heaven. Jesus came down to earth to make earth like heaven, right now, even before we get to the new Eden. And he shows us how that happens in the gospel for this evening. The first thing that Jesus does in the gospel is put pastors into place, and then he sends them out two by two. They have a story to tell, the story of a joyous place where every wrong has been made right, where beauty and order and community and selfless divine love flourish. Then through these pastors, Jesus heals the sick, giving folks a little taste of what heaven will be like. That makes good sense. If you've ever been really, really sick, you know there's nothing that quells fear and anger quite like being healed. And then the strangest thing happens. As wrongs are made right, and as order is restored, 
And as beauty starts coming back, all because of Jesus' touch, all because of his divine, selfless love, community begins to build. You see in this text a very practical back and forth between Jesus' pastors and Jesus' people. As all the things that pastors leave behind to be pastors, money from a money bag and clothes from a knapsack and shoes and even kind words of greeting from those they meet on the street are instead supplied by those who give and receive pastoral care. They are supplied by a congregation's selfless divine love. In return, the congregation gets the straight stuff of his pastors in verse 16, Jesus says, he who hears you hears me. So when a pastor speaks the gospel, it is Jesus himself who is actually speaking. Of course, you can see from this text that it never stops with just us. Because the world is a sick and sometimes broken and very often an angry place. Verse 2 tells us all to pray for help. Jesus loves everybody. You all know that by now. And Jesus wants every child of his creation home again. And Jesus knows that it's not good for anybody to go through life sick or angry or lost. And Jesus knows that many hands make light work and so Jesus tells the church, tells me and tells all of you to constantly be praying for more faithful pastors and more faithful people like all of you because Jesus knows there's a lot of work to do. And that very simply is life in the church. It's the reason all of you are here tonight. In an angry, sinful world, there is always more to do, and we together, as the body of Christ, are meant to do it. I don't know if you noticed, but as the, I don't know if you noticed as the text was being read, but these are all the things we talk about here at St. John. All the marks of the Christian life are contained in this single gospel. Christ himself and scripture with the preaching and prayer, and the divine service where he gives his gifts, and a real generous giving, which Jesus talks about as a tithe of 10%, and acts of mercy, and a winsome witness. See how they love one another. Every one of those things is in this text. So in this text, you are watching Jesus put Eden back together again piece by piece. Right here in our midst, in real time, Jesus puts Eden together again, piece by piece. He brings heaven to earth. We don't exactly know how we will fit together, and we don't exactly know how we will look, and we don't exactly know what we will become in the future. The truth is that every church is different as different as the people whom Jesus has to use. 
But we do know this, and we have this guarantee, that in his gifts, Christ does come near and touches us. In baptism and scripture and preaching and absolution and supper, Christ touches us. And he forgives us and he fixes us and he loves us and he energizes us. And all of that is meant to draw us into the divine self-love, selfless love of the Holy Trinity and to make us one community and restore us in the image of God. And joy is what you feel when you are a part of that. Joy is what happens to you when his gifts touch you. Joy is a place where Jesus is busy and active, and all of you busy and active too. Joy is a place where Jesus is hard at work as an antidote to anger and a taste of the life to come, which is why the only thing at the end of the day that we live and die for is the church and his gifts and his Eden and his heaven. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen.